It's the sheriff. Podcast, baby. Yeah. It's the sheriff. HL man of the year. 500 pro fights in his career. Got the record for most ice fights in the season. Chill. the sheriff. Lucky you're still breathing. Welcome, everybody, to an exclusive episode of the sheriff. Boy, oh boy, do I ever have a treat for you guys. Now, ladies and gentlemen, one of my most proud feats of my career is when I was first told that I share a world record in sports with my youngest brother, Liam. Now, really, this world record should go to my mother, Sheila, as she was the woman that produced one son that was a pro hockey player and one son that was a pro basketball player playing at the same time. Now, what if I were to tell you that my younger brother, Liam, didn't play up growing basketball? What if I were to tell you that the same individual had an eight inch growth spurt in grade 12? And what if I were to tell you that this same individual made a career and life changing decision when he decided to pay his own way, enroll in college and pursue a basketball career? What if I were to tell you that this gentleman is here right now? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all over the world, I would like to introduce to you my guest tonight. He hails from Scarborough, Ontario, at seven foot two, 300 pounds. He is a super heavyweight. He is a professional basketball player, actor, and former child star. He was the runner-up to Aubrey Graham for Wheelchair Jimmy in Degrassi High. He was an entrepreneur, business owner, and go-getter as a teenager. The youngest member of Sheila's Kids, also known as the mayor and the human highlight reel. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the world's biggest free agent. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my youngest brother, Liam McMorrow. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm good, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Now, you have to forgive me, buddy. I'm, I'm really pumped up. I got my childhood buddies here supporting us today. So I'm super excited. So you're going to have to bear with me, Liam, because I'm usually excited on these shows. You know what I'm saying? Right on, right on. So, Liam, like, honestly, like, we're here. It's been a big coming for me. Like, I've been, I've been looking forward to this episode for such a long time. I kind of want to go to the beginnings. Like, we're Scarborough boys. We're Scarborough boys. We were born in Vancouver, raised in Scarborough. I kind of wanted to talk about what Scarborough means to you, being the youngest member of a family, growing up in Scarborough. Let me let, me let you take it off. Scarborough to me, when I'm, when I'm you know, I played in 10 different countries, right? So when I'm in one of these countries that's completely foreign, you say Canada, and you say where, you say Scar Toronto, where, Scarborough. To me, it means, you know, usually I'm telling people it's the most multicultural city in the world. You can get the best food. We have a lot of culture. Scar Scarborough, Scarborough to me means grit. It means culture. It means you have a certain amount of street knowledge to you. Um, all of the above, man. I love Scarborough. You know what I mean? I'm absolutely loving that response because... <laughs> I've, ha I've had a couple of Scarborough men's on the show, but Liam, honestly, that explains things so well. Right. It's a very unique area. And like you say, if someone asks you where you're from and they say Toronto, usually we correct them and we say Scarborough, right? 
So, honestly, Liam, the McMorrow family is a hockey family. That's the way we grew up. Yep. Scarborough Malvern, that's where you started with hockey. Now, similar to our brother Patrick, you started at a pretty young age. You started at about three years old. Yeah, three or four, yeah. Do you remember those Scarborough Malvern days, like the house league days? Do you remember those days? I remember the early mornings and everyone rushing to get there and... Uh... I mean, when you first start, you're not even, like, I couldn't even wheel around. I remember doing just, like, snow angels in the corner. But we were on the ice, bud. We were there on time. We were having a good time. <laughs> we were having a great time. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's the thing that I also remember about the house leagues is that we all did have a good time. Yeah. Now, again, I usually bring her up quite a bit. But, like, our mom, Sheila, obviously she got us all involved in hockey. Now, I remember when I first started, I cried when I got on the ice. I was pushing with one foot and I cried. What were you like when you first started? Did you give mom as hard of a time as I did? I definitely wasn't crying, but, but uh, no, I mean, I was, I was happy to be there, man, but we had good friends too that were with us and supporting us, right? Like uh, a hockey team is a team, right? You got the coaches taking care of you, you got the team, the team vibe. So, I mean, I remember it being tough. I mean, no one knows how to skate when they start to learn hockey, but I mean, these are the things we battled through and persevered through and it, you know everyone end up having a good time so i agree i agree so now i wanted to kind of get into like a little bit of insight for when we were younger because every member of our family had special people that were part of the journey that was outside our family yeah so now i remember your journey liam like with the in the younger years i wanted to talk about guys like mike divine glenn Robson. yeah Let's talk about Mike Devine. God bless his soul. God bless him. Really big deal to our family. I, I, I'd like to hear Absolutely. your thoughts on Mike. So Mike Devine, I played with his son, Danny Devine. I mean, the whole family. Um, Edie Devine, from the mom to the brothers to um, Mike himself. I mean, he's a, a big, a big-hearted, big man. Always had welcome people with open arms. Welcome to my house. Invite you to tournaments. Even taking some of the financial bearing off of mom for some of these things they would take me to places we'd always eat out i remember being like oh man if i'm with danny or mike there's gonna be a pizza party at some point in this night and it's just nice man he's just it's just one of those guys that you know obviously he was a businessman he made money but he also shared it he wasn't greedy he was very welcoming very uh he was a good guy man yeah, good, yeah good i'm heart. hearing the cloud yeah. from the pro yeah. you know the applause from the crowd i should say you know what much deserving Mike Devine, very special to our family. Yeah. I just, I love the fact, Liam, how he was involved so much with your upbringing. And it was, it, it just, we, we had to bring him up. It, it just, it had, had to, to happen. Yeah. Mike Devine is the man. So now sticking, sticking to this, to this subject, there was other people that were around in the beginning. Yeah. You know, our, our family is, 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 is friends with the Stewart family. You had the opportunity to play with Chris Stewart at a pretty young age. Yeah. Do you remember how old you guys were when, when you first played with Chris? Uh, probably like seven. seven uh, I mean, we and Chris played seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way up to Don Mills Flyers, 12, 12 years old, 12, 13. It was me, me Chris, and T-Pain. Yep. Tommy. <laughs> That's exactly what I have on the notes. Tommy, see, T-Pain, I was talking to him before the show. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it tonight. I was but talking he, to him like an hour ago. But yeah. he, did say, he did say good luck, so I'm glad yeah. you got to speak to him too. Yeah. But now, that group of kids, what I found interesting is that 
you kept in contact with a lot of those guys. A lot of the guys from our area that yeah. ended up playing pro, you know, we call them the boys, the boys, right? And it was a special group. And, like, you guys are all around the same age. I mean, we got Henderson, we got Duco, we got Wayne Simmons. Yeah. We got, there's a lot of guys that, that, we, could, that we could name in that group. Yeah. That's one special thing. I don't think a lot of people know that, that characters that are strong from Scarborough all worked out together. What yeah. were some of those summers like, bro, like working out with the boys? It's cool because I'm friends with the guy that works them all out, Matt, uh, Mike, or Matt Nickel, yep. one of the best trainers in the world. Uh, Shout out to Matt Nickel. Pro formula, the chief formulator of the original BioSteel. Yep. Um, so Maddie, Maddie was always welcoming to me to come in with the boys and do their off-season workouts. So I, I would do everything with them except be on the ice. Um, but we're all boys anyway, so we're all going out on the weekends. We're all, you know, train hard during the week, party hard during the weekend. That was kind of the formula for the boys for the, for the summers. Um, you know, get the dry land work in, get all the strength training stuff in. And, you know, everyone, all the Scarborough boys are there, from Joel Ward all the way down to uh, Wardo. Devontae Smith-Pelly. So right. Wardo's going to be our oldest member of the boys, and D Devo was the youngest. So all guys from Scarborough all getting after it, all making each other better with the competitive atmosphere among themselves, all the chirping <laughs> and everything leading to better workouts and more challenges for the following week. So. I couldn't, I couldn't have explained that any better. Thank you for sharing that, Liam. So I now have my degree in broadcasting. That's right. That's well. right. That's right, man. Half a degree, I should say. <laughs> that's absolutely right. So now, Liam, I want to tie this in to what I think, us as a family, we had a huge advantage growing up, and that is the sports camps that we attended. Right. So now, Camp Concora. Camp Concora is located in St. Agath, Quebec, about an hour and a half north of Montreal. Yep. You, my friend, were one year of age when our mother first went to that camp. Yeah. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember that. Mom, no, <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> Mom was telling me this the other day. She, you, and, you and her went alone. You were one years old. Yeah. After that, Catherine, myself, Patrick, and you all would attend the same camp in Montreal every summer for a full week. Visions. We would all develop friendships with, with our all different friends. We would stay for times after. My question to you, do you believe the strength in our character? Do you believe that this, putting ourselves in these scenarios gave us a better chance in life? Because I, I, I can't get over the advantage that I think it gave us. Yeah, no, for sure it did. Um, just, just taking the ride out there, the, the, the ride to St. Agath and the seeing the mountains and all the landscape that we weren't used to. I mean, you don't see mountains in Scarborough, right? But um, dealing with those people, all the teamwork, all the team building activities we did, all the singing, all the sports activities. I mean, it it grows your character. I mean, it, it, it gives you this foundation that's uh, that's strong enough to, you know, become pro athletes, to, to, to become directors of CBC, to become one of the, yeah. the highest positions in, in private security in the world. Um, yes. All of the above to, be, to become an NHL player, right? So, yeah. um, <laughs> and to deal with all the adversity that comes with all those positions. So, I mean, yeah, Visions, Kinkora, um, it all set us up for success. I mean, all those people, all the counselors, all the other campers, everyone, everyone helped. Everyone helped with the development of the McMorrows. So, incredible answer, absolutely incredible. So now here's my question to you. We went to another camp called Columbus Boys Camp. Yeah. 
I've recently started a team mentoring session where I'm using one of the songs that we learned at that camp. Yep. Now, does it mean to you as much as it means to me? Everywhere we go, Chantman, that we learn from Columbus Boys Camp. It does. Do you does. remember? Yeah, often uh, I will recite it while I'm brushing my teeth and uh, doing my morning routine. But no, I mean, it's a, it's a, okay, let's do it now. No, but it, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful song, especially for a team atmosphere. I mean, it, it gets everyone rallied up. You're getting the troops ready, and you, and you go to war, bud. That's what it is. It's a war cry song. So now the reason why I'm bringing this up is because when I explain to the teams that I'm mentoring what the song means to me, I say that me and my two brothers were able to go through an ex incredible experience together. And that's what makes it special because this is the chant that we would use. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we would compare it to a playoff run. You guys are doing something extremely special. This is your chant. Me and my brothers got to experience it. It's priceless. Now I'd like for you to experience it. Right, right. So I believe that these things really helped you, brother, in your journey. And I was so happy, I want to let you know, I was so happy to see you and Pat having fun, enjoy yourself, doing archery, portaging um, canoes, doing everything that we did. And I really think that it, it helped us in our upbringing. So now, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. So now, I want to change things around a little bit. I want to stay with the timeline. You notice that we haven't talked any basketball yet. No basketball. So now, I did mention in the intro that you're a professional actor, model, and former child star. Okay. Is that all? So now, no, th just, this is one topic, just one topic. So now, we're lucky enough that in the crowd, we actually have our Aunt Maureen, in the crowd. Let's hear it for Aunt Maureen. <laughs> so now, there was a time where Aunt Maureen was bothering my mom and saying, you know what, this kid is so good looking, he's so talented, we have to do something. We have to have take to. headshots. We have to do something. Aunt Maureen takes some incredible photos of this big man at the house. At the house. Yeah. You tell the story. You tell it. You tell the story. I mean, as I remember, yeah, we did our own photo shoot. I remember a shot specifically with me with no shirt and overalls on, which was very interesting. Um, but yeah, no, it was just the ambition to get it going. I mean, that like you, you got to start everything that way. So we took those photos. I think we eventually got to someone where they're like, okay, we can't do anything with the photos but it's good initiative and it led to what we needed, right? We needed like professional, you know, nine by 11 headshots with a couple, you know, a, one, one smile and one uh, serious look or whatever it is. And then um, that's how it all started. We ended up at Charisma Talent Agency on Young Street, signed the, uh, inside the Warner Brothers building. And that's where, uh, that's where the acting journey started. But it started with Aunt Maureen getting it done. So now, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Showing the initiative. So now I'm, I'm not going to let him off that easily because this gentleman was successful, but his first, his first tryout was for Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. He got it. Got it. Can you tell a little bit about that? Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. No, so uh, you go to a lot of auditions, right, if, if the casting directors like your look. So at this time in the 90s, Early 2000s, the, yep. you know the light skin look. They were they were looking for that. They wanted the diversity in the commercials. I went to a few auditions before the Frosted Flakes one, but uh, Frosted Flakes was the first uh, gig I landed, and um, it was awesome. They were doing a, a nationwide campaign, letting the um, 
the buyers uh, vote on what flavor they wanted the process flakes to be. It was, a, it was an amazing experience. I was just happy to land my first job. I mean, I think it was like 2000 bucks, but at that time, that was like $2 million. Oh, it was huge, huge money, man. It was and, huge uh, money. It was like an eight-hour eight shoot. It was really quick. It was awesome. It was like I knew I didn't mind being in front of a camera at that point. You know what I mean? Hey, you did really well. You looked the part. Yeah, it was yeah. incredible. So now... I'm not. We don't have enough time on the show to go through all the gigs that you got. There's not enough time in the day to go through how many gigs I landed. Exactly. So now, but we are going to mention a few. Okay. The Nokia commercial was huge. That's big time. The Swedish girl band. They were called Play. Yeah, that was big time too. Yeah. That was really big time, huge. man. They were like the Spice Girls of Sweden. There was a couple. There was a couple movies that Liam McMorrow starred in. One I recall, you had to do a Jamaican accent. Yeah, Squeezebox. It was a short film. It actually. Oh, won. we got some. We got some. We got some crazy fans out here. They, they must have seen the Frosted Flakes commercial. Oh yeah. Live at Bottom Line, it, it, it's it's really it's rowdy in here, here, guys. So now, just just to just to end this acting thing off, again, Sheila McMorrow in that movie that you had the Jamaican accent. Squeezebox. Our mother got a small part she in got, that movie. She got a cameo in it. That was pretty cool. That was awesome, yeah. It was really, really cool, buddy. So what I want to get into now, Liam, is obviously your height is a big thing in your life, okay? Yep. So right now, we're, we're going to do a little a height check for, for, this, for this time of the year. So like high school, grade 9, do you remember, do you remember the height in grade 9? 5'11". So 5'11 in grade 9. Okay, so that's perfect. So this will make sense now. When you got to grade 12. 6'5". Okay, so the story I tell is you were my height. So you were an inch taller. 6'5". Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about your height when you graduated that year in grade 12. 6'5". When you graduated <laughs> in grade 12. Yeah, Yeah, so in, in, from 18 to 20 I, is the growth spurt, right? So it's like after, after high school. That summer, I get a couple inches. It just keeps going, bro. You get you get seven, eight inches in two years. By the time I reach 20 years old, I've, I've cracked the seven-foot mark. So now, yeah, yeah. So now, I remember during this time that mom would say that if you looked at you close enough that you could actually see you growing. <laughs> do, you, do you think that? It's accurate. It's accurate. No, it's weird, though, because... All this height, like you're talking about extreme growth, seven, eight inches in two years. I didn't even notice it myself. I don't know if we were so busy. We had so much going on. I mean, everyone's getting smaller, it seems like. I, everyone's looking weird. No, but it was weird because I really didn't know. Like, I was running a, we had a convenience store at the time, me and my partner, and we were, uh, a guy came in and he's like, how tall are you, dude? And I'm, when you're a tall person, you're so used to saying how tall you are answering these questions, as you know. You, you're like six four, six five, right? So I'm like, I'm like six five, bro. Like you need, you know, Demorier. You want like, what do you want? Chips? Um, and he's like, unless you're standing on something behind the counter, you have to be at least six nine. You know, and I yeah. walk around. And he's like, dude, you're six eight, six nine. He's like, get your height checked. And he's like, yeah, I do want the Demorier, but uh, you know, it just kept happening, bro. We were busy. We we're running the store. We we're doing a lot of things. We were, me and Pat had the landscaping business. And so to give to give a little bit of clarity to the listeners. Yeah. In the intro, when I was saying that this man was a business owner and entrepreneur as a teenager, so now we're getting into that time. Yeah. So we live in an area of Scarborough called Highland Creek, very cool area of Toronto. 
there's a village in Highland Creek, lots of little shops. Yeah. So you and your friend rented out one of those shops and you guys had a convenience store. Right. And that's what you're referring to now. That's what I was referring to. Getting there. the cigarettes. So you're a teenager after high school. Yeah. What I want to discuss now is the agreement that you and mom made about the taking the year off after high school. Now, I remember mom was saying, I will let you take one year to work, young man, if you want to save up some money, okay. but it's not going to be more than one year. You will go to college after that year. I don't know if you remember this. I remember it now. Okay. So. I haven't thought about that. During this season, during this year, Liam, there was snow removal business. Yeah. There was the store. The store. Right? There was, there was, a, a, there was a tire shop. Yeah, the detailing, the tire in the back. With. Yeah, yeah. Paulie, all those guys involved. There was the Rogers there subcontracting. There was the Rogers subcontracting, Liam. Yeah. You worked every single day. You had a ladder. Now, let's ask the, let's ask the viewers. If I was behind on my cable bill with Rogers, okay? <laughs> I'm behind on my cable bill, so I'm a little bit nervous. At least three months. Okay? I get a knock on the door. This guy answers the door, Coming says, it, if you don't, no, you know what? You tell it, please. So I'm going to get the money. You tell it. Tell them what your job was for Rogers. I'm here for the money, and we need it now. <laughs> the Rogers money. <laughs> yes. Most people would pay. Most people would pay. Oh, yeah, they'd pay. Or Liam would cut off their cable. All right, just cut them off. That's the it. point I'm trying to make is that <laughs> this gentleman <laughs> took a year off after high school to work. So now the time comes, what we talked about in the beginning of the show, the life-altering decision, man. So now you mentioned before, you have simple people coming into the store saying, dude, look how tall you are. What are yeah. you doing here? Why aren't yeah. you playing constantly, basketball? Constantly, constantly. Constantly. Yeah, yeah. Daily, daily. Multiple people. What were the deciding factors in this decision, Liam, when you decided to make this change? So all the strangers that were telling me to do it were one thing. My girlfriend at the time was another thing. Uh, strongly influencing going to school. It wasn't necessarily, I don't know if, if, if her and mom were so interested in the basketball as they were in wanting me in school. But um, another key uh, person in it was uh, Ron Terrishin, Big Ron, Tommy's dad. Um, he Big actually, Ron. Shout out to Big Ron. Shout out to Big Ron. Um, so Ron actually took the initiative to, okay, it's cool to say, okay, play basketball. It's cool to say, go to school. Big Ron said, you're taking the day off of Rogers. You're not going to the store. I'm going to drive you to Durham, and you're going to meet the athletic director. That was a key part of it. You know what I mean? That was Tommy was about to enroll there, and Chrissy was about to go to UIT. So he's like, you know, you'll have two people you've known your whole life that will be there. You're going to go there. You should play. You're going to play, basically. <laughs> so now when you got to Durham, obviously you're, you're a seven-footer at this time. Yeah. Your intentions were to try the basketball. Yeah. We wanted to try the basketball. We're all athletes in our family. We all played hockey our whole lives. Now we have a member that spurred it up very late. And with your yeah. God-given talent, you're saying to yourself, I was given these talents. I'm going to use them and take advantage of them. And that's what you did. You took a big risk, though, by doing this. Big risk, yeah. Let's talk about that first game at Durham. How long did that last? I think it, well, the game lasted 40 minutes where it was supposed to last. The game for me lasted about four minutes. And why was that? I, before I got fouled out of the game because, I mean, the, we just <laughs> too aggressive for basketball at that time. I didn't know how to really be tough within the game of basketball. So a lot of 
ticky-tack fouls, a lot of physicality from hockey translating into basketball, which doesn't translate at all. It translates to you're kicked out of the game. So. so you made a decision to take a risk, to try the basketball thing. As a seven-footer, in the beginning of the season to the end of the season, obviously a lot had changed. A lot changed, yeah. This is a, you were, you're a beginner, Liam. You can't really describe yourself any other way as a beginner when you started with Durham, correct? Yeah, absolute rookie, beginner, learning everything, yeah. But by the end of the season, you're averaging about 10 and 8? Yeah. I think I, for the, yeah, by the end of the year, I averaged almost a double-double. Yeah. Um, I had like an 18-rebound game. So, like, some games I was getting the hang of it. I was getting a real feel for it. I was like, okay, this might be something I can do. Um, I was getting there, man. I was getting better every day, every game, every practice we had, I was getting better. So, so now this is where the show's kind of going to get turned up a little bit. <laughs> this Whoa. is going to be the beginning of a sports story that is like no other. And nobody is going to understand how this could possibly have happened. That summer, Liam, when you were finished with Durham, you ran into a gentleman named Greg. Is it Craig or Greg? Greg, Greg, Greg. Greg. Now, Greg, Greg Mashegi. Okay, so Greg was a trainer at the gym. Yeah, Greg was a trainer at Extreme Fitness in Whitby, yeah. Tell the viewers and listeners what Craig's actions were towards you after you met him. So Greg saw me working out. This is after the year in Durham at Durham College. He saw just a tall kid working out at the gym, but took an extreme interest. So he he was he's one of these people that is obviously a very outgoing person. For him to say that he has a whole plan for someone's life who is a complete stranger to them is a bit weird. But I kind of went with it. Um, he brought me into his office and he said, "Dude, like you played one year. You're not thinking of you know your experiment year went okay. It didn't it didn't." make any waves necessarily um but i will you know he starts googling top 30 ncaa schools from the previous year right and he starts he's like dude i'm gonna i'm gonna not stop calling them until we get responses and get you know good answers from these teams you know that was the that's how that started yeah now you guys did get a lot of responses yeah, we got tons there, of responses. there was a lot of activity yeah but now what we've learned as two individuals that have gone through pro sports careers is that sometimes there could be a lot of activity, yeah. but not all the time that something actually happens yeah, out no of action, it. a lot of time. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now, let's bring, let's bring Jamie into the story. Jamie McNeely. Now, Jamie McNeely, this is an, an ex-Marquette player, is that correct? It's an ex-New uh, Orleans basketball player. So he played for the head coach of you know, that would be the head coach of Marquette when he was the coach in New Orleans. So he's basically, you know what I mean? He was going to be a graduate assistant at Marquette that following year, the year I was trying to get there. What did Jamie and you do as part of this journey? So, like we said, there was a lot of, there was a lot of talk about different teams trying to get me, so, you know, so, for example, I would get a call from Ohio State. There was an actual call we got. Ohio State saying, we're interested. The kid's seven feet tall. He's played one year. He's played 20 games of basketball. We want him. He has four years of eligibility. We need his SAT. We need all these things. I didn't have not any of the things they're asking for except myself. So those conversations didn't lead anywhere. Although they were cool to have, they didn't lead to, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this, this, and that, and we're going to get you there. What happened when Marquette got the word is that they, Jamie was actually in Scarborough, and they had him work me out at Mother Teresa. 
So he's relaying the buzz on the phone, how quickly I'm running the floor, how fast I did. I remember him timing me for a lot of things. And then when he's talking to Buzz, he kind of had a, you know, a, a little secret conversation with him in the corner. And then when he came over to me and he had him on speaker, he's like, I just remember Buzz being like, I'm going to see you soon, bud. You're going to be in school. And I'm like, hey, you guys make it happen. You make it happen. I don't know. Like, you know, they were able to somehow transfer these credits I had from Durham, bypass the SAT requirement. And I literally end up at summer school at Marquette in two weeks, probably after the conversation in the workout at MT. Okay. So just, just to make this a little bit more clear, there was a $2,500 investment that you made to enroll in Durham College to pursue basketball with this new God-given talent of height that you received. Yeah. This now transfers into a $250,000 U.S. scholarship yeah, full ride, Division yeah. One school. So now, Liam, how many Division One schools are there for basketball? They're about three, 300. About 300. Marquette's not just a normal no, Division no. One school. So they, they classify all those schools, high major, uh, mid-major, low-major schools, right? So in those 300, maybe, I don't know if it's broken up exactly like this, but about 100 are high-major, 100 are mid-major, 100 are low-major. Marquette is always top 30 of those 300, so it's, it's, a, it's a very good school. I mean, it's a huge school that always produces NBA-caliber players, and it's a school where they don't have a football program, so it makes the basketball program even bigger. So it's... The cool, the, the cool thing about Marquette is that they've actually, they've actually developed players such as Dwayne Wade, yeah. Jimmy Butler, yeah. Wesley Matthews. Yeah. There's a lot of big names that have come out of that school. Yeah. So now, guys that are still playing right now. Guys yeah. that are still playing right now. Super max contracts. Yeah. One story that I think that the viewers and listeners would appreciate, your first day on campus at Marquette, you had another recruit that you kind of bucked up with that day. Do you mind talking about explaining who it was? And Yeah, so the, so our, our incoming class that year is me, Jimmy Butler, who we're just talking about, the highest paid player on Miami Heat right now. Um, Joe Fulce and Crystal Tule, which also are two great guys. Joe's into coaching. He still coaches with uh, Buzz Williams, who is our coach. And uh, Chris has a, a, a long um, overseas career. He's played in France, China, a whole bunch of high-paying countries. So it was the four of us. It was two big men and two wingmen. Um, so... It was, it was great. Like, getting to campus, obviously, you can't see in the future. You don't know that any of these guys are going to be NBA stars, but you're walking in there with a guy that is going to be an NBA all-star. Um, first day, man. It, you know, it took a lot of hard work for, for, for all of us, but, I mean, we got there. I wanted to give – yes, yes, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. I wanted to give some insight into what it's like for a new recruit coming to college having pretty much nothing. Now – I've heard a legendary story about you and Jimmy Butler about the fact that you guys could hardly put enough change together yeah. to get a six-inch sub from Subway. <laughs> Is that true? Well, so, yeah, it's true. Let me, I'll give you a little more detail. So when you're on a full-ride scholarship, you're getting three meals a day, which are all on your student card. You can use this card to swipe, whatever, but because practices are sometimes at odd times, you'll finish a later practice, and now the place where you're about to swipe and get food is closed. So you do have a swipe, you have a meal that's paid for, but you're not able to use it. So I remember walking to a subway with Jimmy and like, yeah, between the two of us, the story is like, we didn't have enough for $5 to get a foot long sub. So it's like, the guy right now could literally buy a thousand subways and not blink at it. You know what I mean? He's making, he's on a $200 million contract right now. So it's, 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 it's funny to say that there was a day where we didn't have enough for five bucks between us, but. 
Now, the great. cool thing about, about with Jimmy is that you guys are still friends to this day. Yeah. And I know that you guys spoke recently, and he wants you to come out to Miami, yeah, right? Yeah, I was supposed to come see him for some games. And hit um, the links or something, right? Yeah, he, yeah, he wanted to go golfing. He had mentioned going golfing with MJ, which I thought was really cool. But With MJ? Yeah, yeah. Because so uh, all of them are I mean, Jordan athletes. I, mean, I don't know. Can I fit in the suitcase? or? <laughs> Holy oh, man. Hit the links with Jordan. Nah, yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah. All right, so that's pretty cool stuff. So, Liam, pretty much, I mean, you are such a dynamic person, has such a dynamic career. We're going to skip around a little bit because we simply will not have time to go through all the incredible skip stuff around. in your life. Skip around. So now, I got to get into this pro career. You had an incredible career. You pretty much did like a tour of Asia, man. Like, you yeah. went to the coolest places in that region of the world. You want I'm going to name them, bud, or you're going to name them? I mean, I could... I, oh, you yeah. got it. Could you name them? I don't know if I can name them in order. Well, yeah. So, I, yeah. Taiwan, Philippines, Japan, China, Argentina. Where else we got? We got Oklahoma City Blues. Oh, we yeah. got... Well, that's America, yeah, yeah. I'm we, talking about the overseas. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Philippines, right. Taiwan, yeah. That's right. I was talking about Asia. So now, what stands out to me, Liam, yeah. of those countries was China and was Taiwan, okay. okay? The Philippines, you absolutely, yeah, yeah, Philippines. <laughs> you PBA. absolutely dominated the PBA. Yeah, yeah. I remember that year. What were you averaging in that league? That was a big year. I led the league in scoring and rebounding, so it was like. It's not a big deal. Uh, not <laughs> yeah. a big deal. No, it was like, I, I don't know, 24, or 27 points, 23 rebounds, I think. 2020, averaging a double-double, a 2020 double-double, yeah. All right, no. so, so a star overseas, you played in the NBA Summer League in Vegas. You played in what they now call as the G League, which was the D League when you played in it. Yeah, yeah. But what I want to talk about right now is the Halifax Raymond. Oh, man. The Halifax Raymond. Now, this level... Wasn't one of the higher levels that you played, but in my opinion, Liam, as your older brother, this team shaped you. This team shaped you. The team camaraderie that happened on this Halifax Raymond team. Huge. I believe you guys still have the same group chat from that season. Yeah, yeah. And how many years ago was that? That's uh, eight years ago. Yeah. Eight years ago, same group chat going. It's a long time. Do you mind talking about Halifax a little bit, bro? Because it yeah. So it, Halifax is in the National Basketball League of Canada, and like what what you said, you said it's not as high as a level. It actually is a pretty high level because if you compare it to a league like say Philippines, you're getting one imported player on each team, so it's all all Filipinos, one imported player. The imports in that league are Canadian, so you got guys like me. Or no, sorry, the imports. Yeah, the imports in that league. Canadian American. Are Canadian. Yep. The rest of the guys are all American. So it's just like it, it's like playing in the G League or the D League or the NBA. You're never getting that many Americans playing professionally on a team at a time. But yeah, Halifax was a, was a, was a good camaraderie. I already had two friends on the team, Kevin Young and Tim Parham. Uh, that's what like kind of got me to join because I already had a deal happening with Philippines. So this was kind of like a gap and I got to play with my boys and they're going to get me in a better game shape to go to Philippines and do well, right? So I didn't know that we would get along so well in that team, but we just, I joined the team, we go on this run, we're killing everybody, we get to the playoffs, we swept around in the playoffs, we, we, we had a battle maybe the next round, we get all the way to the finals. Do you want me to talk about that? Yeah. Let's talk about it, guys. <laughs> so, yeah. 
So Woo! We get we have this we have this very physical series with the uh, Windsor Express, at, which all comes to a head at a game seven. So the morning of game seven in the finals of the league, we're having a shoot around and not to be too detailed about it, but it it, it turns into a brawl of sorts. Um, their coach has the ball. My point guard from uh, Jamaica Queens, Clink Clink Scales, he's uh tells me to grab the ball as hard as I can from the coach and dunk it as hard as I can on the other end, just to like, you know, to fire them up. So I, I do exactly what I'm told. Take the ball from their coach, Bill Russell, or not Bill Russell, Bill, Bill Jones. Um, and uh, I go and dunk it and it just kind of sparks everything, right? There's chairs flying, everyone's fighting. It's a whole team, team fight, like it never happens in basketball. Like you see that in hockey, I guess sometimes. Um, but it got to a point where it was so physical and the fight, you know, the fight got broken up eventually. But there's suspensions being handed out. People are saying that we shouldn't play the game that night. And we don't end up playing it. We have a Spanish coach, Pep Cleros. I respect him. He's one of the best coaches I've ever played for. He goes, I don't think it's safe for you guys to play. I won't let my players play. It's not safe. We'll play when everyone calms down, you know? <laughs> but no one calmed down. Windsor's like, no, we're not not having the game. They knew we weren't going to show up, so they just proceeded as if we were. And they said we didn't show up, and we forfeited the game, and we ended up losing the, the, the championship that year. But really, if you look back at the record, the three games that we won, we won by margins of like 20-plus. That doesn't happen in a Game 7 series. No. And the None, games they no. won are by like 1 and 2. So like, who do you really think is going to win Game 7? Like, you got a team that blows out a team three games. We're obviously going to win. I'll put that on paper. We won that. They owe us rings for that, basically. You heard it here first. They owe us our rings. So now, Liam, obviously that Halifax team, like what it did for your career, the camaraderie, yeah. all that journey towards the brawl in the finals, you know, it probably changed your life forever. The way that you look at sports, the way that you look at teams as a family, as a brotherhood. Yeah. So now, another part of your career that we have to talk about, buddy, was the NBA Summer Leagues. Like, when you were on the Los Angeles Clippers, NBA Summer League, Doc Rivers as your coach. Yeah. I remember watching and seeing you get a double-double. Yeah. Seeing you get, it might have been 10 points and 8 rebounds, but close to a double-double, or it may have been. Those type of experiences, playing for coaches like Doc Rivers. Who's it's a Mar be. Marquette alumni as well. Marquette alumni as well. That must have been quite the experience, my friend. Oh, it was crazy. So Halifax really sets that up, right? Halifax gets me in this great game shape to go to Philippines and do as well as I did. Lead the league in scoring and rebounding, which gets, gets me on, gets the attention of the Clippers to invite me to Summer League. So it literally lined up perfectly. It was a perfect storm of Halifax, don't play the final game, end up in Philippines two days later, play that season out, finish in the quarterfinals there. Two days later, I'm in Orlando playing Summer League with the Clippers. So it's like I'm in ultimate shape to do as well as I can. I end up averaging close to a double-double in 17 minutes with a block and a half. It was, it was a really good showing for me. It really – that set my overseas offers and all my value as a player way up. So I can see how you're saying Halifax was a springboard yeah. for that. Yeah, it makes sense. So now saying that with the NBA Summer League – there was a lot of your career that happened after that, but yeah. I mean, as a member of the family, I just find that I was most proud, man, yeah. seeing you wear the NBA jersey, dunking on guys <laughs> in, in Vegas, NBA <laughs> Summer League. Yeah. Like, was that kind of like, for you, like, was the NBA Summer League's more, or was it the high-paying leagues in, in China? Like, like, what was it no, for you, you that you're... 
I think for me it's like when you're wearing that jersey and you're playing, you're performing, and you're just realizing that you can play at that level. Like it's you know, there's a lot of I don't want to say fear, but when you're when you're when you haven't been to that level yet, you're like, man, those guys are really good. I don't know if I can keep up. Blah blah blah. When you're there and you're in it, you're in it. There's no you know like it was it was just proof to myself that I had what it takes to do it and I was doing it well. So I was like, it just gives you a ton of confidence once you get there and you're, you know what I mean? Yes. You're doing it like you do it for TV, bud. Doing it like you do it for TV. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. All right, so Liam, big characters attract other big characters. Sure do. You got a lot of big characters in your life, my friend. I do. One of the most incredible characters that I love talking about, that you know, is Diamond Dallas Page. DDP. DDP. Bang. Please tell the viewers how you met DDP and your friendship to this point. Yeah, so DDP comes along in my life probably in the, uh, so it's right on that same storyline. It's, it's Halifax to Philippines to Summer League to China to Taiwan and then hurting my knee in Taiwan. Yeah. Which leads me to rehabbing the knee on my own, but trying to get, I was always the guy that trained as hard as I could, did all the stretching, everything that I could do possibly, but it wasn't enough. I still got injured. So okay. I was looking for something extra I could use. And I don't know if it was an ad on Facebook or whatever I saw, but I started using the app without knowing Dallas at first. Like I knew him as who he was, his wrestling persona, but I didn't know him like personally. I do the app, I'm training in Atlanta that summer, and I text him just as a, as a, a thank you text. Or not, a, oh, sorry, I didn't text him, I tweet at him. Dallas, I've been using the program, my knees felt better than it ever has. I just wanna say thank you. He DMs me back and says, hey kid, if you're ever in Atlanta, let me know, I'd love you come by the performance center. I go right back to him, bro, I'm living downtown Atlanta, where's the performance center? <laughs> <laughs> He goes, meet me at 6 a.m. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm like, buddy, I'm there at 5.30. I'm like, this guy's a legend. Like, you Absolute about, legend. In, in wrestling, th yeah. there's no one that would tell you anything bad about Dallas. Dallas is good in all circles to do with – he's good in all circles to do with life. But I'm saying in the wrestling world, it's very hit or miss. Everyone's cool with Dallas. So it's like this guy is probably one of the most positive people I've ever had in my life. Um, just using the workout techniques, also with him giving me mentorship kind of – throughout these times but yeah 2015 is where i meet dallas and i mean it goes all the way to 2023 i mean it's, it's yeah still active now yeah huge I had, character i had to bring up dallas yeah, so now to. this is more tied in to what's happening right now two-time heavyweight ufc champion frank muir yeah frank yeah yeah so pretty close to you right now business partner of mine right now yeah he's uh first started off as a workout partner we we're both at the same gym we're both friends with the GM of the gym. So the GM kind of put us together. Like, look, I'll work both of you guys out every morning. Let's call it the 8 a.m. work club. And we'll just, we'll, we'll hold ourselves accountable and all work out together at the same time every day. I'm like, okay. I knew Frank from his history. You know, he's, you know, he has tons of records of the UFC. Go from most broken bones to most submissions as a heavyweight to most wins ever as a heavyweight. Like the guy's a, he's on the Mount Rushmore for heavyweights and mixed martial arts. It's, Unbelievable to have him as a workout partner. What I thought was a dream at first to have him as a business partner is even It's a it's a living dream. I mean the guy he walks into any Everyone knows who he is wherever he goes like it's it's 
he's our marketing arm of the com uh, of the company right now, and he just uh, it's like any door can be opened with Frank. You know, or if it's not opening, he'll kick it down. So it's like we're getting in, we're getting in. <laughs> so, yeah, oh yeah. So now Frank Muir, Murr Muir, Muir, Frank Muir, yeah. is six foot three, so he's an inch shorter than me. So you make him look like a little kid, the two-time heavyweight UFC champion. I make him look short, for sure. You make him look short. <laughs> but yeah, he's a, yeah, no, he's, yeah, he's a big boy. So Liam, obviously, like I said, we could probably do a three-hour show. Easy, yeah. I need to decide these last couple minutes here, okay. buddy. You There's a lot of exciting stuff that's happening in your life. Yep. We need to pick and choose here. So now... I'm going to go out, out, out a bit on a limb because I've learned through my career that I'm a pretty good cheerleader. I'm a pretty good motivator. I like to get things going. I like to fire up the boys. I like to do all that. Yep. One thing that I believe is that you, as you have in the past, are going to get opportunities because of the person you are and the talents that you have. Now, I know that there's another industry that you're looking to give a shot. Yep. Just like you did basketball when you had the growth spurt. Yeah. Just like you've done in many, many things in your life, taking risks and succeeding. Can you tell our viewers and listeners what you are going to try out? Let's put it that way. What am I going to try out? What you're going <laughs> to give a shot. What, what you're going to do, the same thing that you did for basketball. Right, right. right. So I've gotten a, a really good opportunity recently to, um, to join a very popular wrestling promotion uh, nationally broadcast. Um, it's just a really good opportunity. I, 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 it's uh, something I'm very interested in doing. I think it'll help with um, with everything else I have going on. I mean, with the, with the company with Frank, it'll help with promotion for that. And I think it's uh, it's definitely a good segue um, to use the athletic abilities and size again and the character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything about it seems fun to me. So like going into it, going to an actual tryout for the company, everything was fun. There was no part of it that wasn't fun for me, so I'm like, if that's the case, I'm all I'm all in, bud. Like, you know what I mean? Right Something so, I'll definitely do. All right, so yes, yes. So now before I say this, I know it's a little bit weird, but do you mind giving the gun you show? You don't want to do that, man. No, no, you, you, not me, you. Uh, I'm just, I just thought you show. wanted to compare. No, no, no comparison. There's no comparison. No comparison. I need you to show the gun ah, show, man. Yes, sir. Okay. Can we do a close-up? All right, so. <laughs> As the promoting older brother, this gentleman right here will be the next heavyweight champion of the WWE. I'm telling you right now, you've heard it right here on the Sheriff Podcast. So now, obviously, I like to have fun. Obviously, we like, we like to have a lot of fun in the show. But Liam, honestly, you're going to be getting into wrestling. I believe that there's nobody more on this planet that is more talented than you. I've seen all the big guys in wrestling. Yeah. They probably couldn't even tie up your shoes. No, it's, so, it's literally a joke. Cameos, cameos are a big deal in wrestling. <laughs> so could you imagine a tag team partnership right here? <laughs> what are you going to do? I, I don't know. This, it, like no, just saying, good. any of the any of the viewers, any of the viewers, can you imagine a different wrestler that deserves more to be the champion with the belt? I couldn't. Enough, I, enough of that fun. That's just the the promoting older brother. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna happen. So now, Liam, honestly, man, like, 
I think the way that we should end off here is, like, I know there's a couple current things that you got going on. Yeah. There's a couple things that are being close to being launched. So I guess you can just mention what you feel is oh, necessary. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. So the company with me and Frank and our other uh, other partner, Patrick Ramsey, he uh, we're developing an app right now for iOS and Android. Um, to not give away too much, it's a, it's a social networking app where our users can actually make money from it, but also get free tools to network themselves, um, collaborate with companies and, and stuff like that. It's really exciting. Um, can't say too much, but yeah, it's coming June 1st. You know, it'll be all over my Instagram. It'll be probably be all over yours. Um, okay. So the, the users will be able to download it for sure. I mean, we'll have links to it up everywhere. So we want everyone to participate in our community. And uh, yeah, it'd be awesome, man. Really v excited. Very exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting. And just on a last note, you this was this is your idea, right? Yeah. This yeah. was your idea. It was a little right. a little design, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice looking shirt. That's was this this guy. All right. So from Scarborough to hockey to basketball to D1 to the pros to the WWF and all the entrepreneurship in between. This man is a go-getter. Check him out. Liam, how do people, what's your handle? How do they check you out? How do they check out the companies, man? Uh, Instagram is Real7Footer, uh, number seven. Uh, Twitter is the Liam McMorrow. With those two, you can get everything about me. I mean, yeah. I don't really mess with Facebook too much, so. Instagram's the best way for me. Real7Footer. Real7Footer. Real seven all right, well. <laughs> this is so exciting for me. I don't even want to stop it. But we got to stop it, Liam. I want to thank you for coming on to the show. Yeah. And I want to thank the listeners for tuning in to another episode of The Sheriff with the future heavyweight champion of the world. Woo! Thanks for tuning in, baby.